we know that at the end of the day, all the experience of those people that are scared that are going to lose their job because AI is going to replace them, don't worry, friends, because they're going to be looking after you because they're going to be wanting your expertise, your knowledge, and your takes on things because you're going to be the domain expert. 20, 30 years from now, people are going to be orchestrators of AI. It's like our role is going to change from the people actually just writing the content or the people actually just creating the ads to orchestrating AI and the tools and resources to, to achieve like 10x productivity. I love people that can see what's not there and then make it happen because that's the beauty of, the, of what humans can do, man. Like we can bring thought to reality. Just think about that. No one else can do that. You can't do this. You know, you don't have this. This isn't a perfect idea yet. Let's see what people think, but don't be afraid to experiment. Failure is just learning. Hey there, everyone. Welcome back to Future Product. Today, my guests are David Garcia and Nathan Schlafer, co-founders at MarketMate AI. Guys, welcome to the podcast, and thank you so much for joining me. Thanks. Awesome. Thank you. Excited to be here, Max. Hi, Mom. Likewise. <laughs> awesome. So, guys, I, uh, I'm really excited to have you guys here. I'm really stoked on your product. Um, I think you guys have some very interesting thoughts when it comes to AI, kind of the product landscape. Um, but before we get into all of that, uh, could you each just give me a bit of background on your career and kind of what led you to founding MarketMate? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, hey, everybody, I'm Nathan. Great to be here with you, Max. Um, a little bit of background on me. I met Dave around uh, a little bit of over a decade ago, and we worked together for three years. Uh, and one of the things that we realized was there was a huge um, gap between what AI could do and what marketers needed in terms of automating content and workflows. And that gap is AI, general AI doesn't understand your buyer personas. They can't you know, do messaging and positioning because they have token limits and they require sophisticated prompts. And Dave and I um, were working on marketing campaigns together because we're product marketers, you know, B2B SaaS companies. And we're like, man, if only AI could understand our buyers as well as we do and help us accelerate our content development for campaigns, help us uh, do messaging and positioning, help us um, do sales enablement. Uh, and, and that's how we came up with the idea of market-made AI is it's the, the world's first AI platform that's trained for B2B. It's like ChatGPT, but it's trained for B2B. And um, Dave, would you like to kind of introduce yourself? Yeah, man, absolutely. So uh, yeah, I'm David Garcia. Uh, I also was a product marketing manager, and, and that's what I did. And I, I, I also um, started my career in marketing, but I started in a really, really interesting way. I actually started as like a technical support guy. And then they're like, hey, you're actually really personable and good with people. Do you, do you think you'd be interested in inside sales? Because I kept referring mm -hmm. people. You know, to like, hey, you're actually using the wrong product, man. You got to try this. And so I'd send them to my guys like, dude, I'm getting referrals from Dave like crazy. So went into that. And then from there, I discovered like, I really do like understanding people's, you know, like what they're really trying to do. Like you're not trying to buy stuff. You're trying to fix a problem or you're trying to get something done. So it was interesting for me because I went from technical support, inside sales to product specialist to then into the product marketing role which I feel is honestly probably the best route to take, especially if you're trying to grow your talent within a company, because that's really going to be able to have somebody that understands exactly the whole journey that you're, that you're, you're not only your internal people are going to face, but your buyers are going to face, right? So I knew all the obstacles, limitations, and I understand the workarounds and how people think this is just the way we mm -hmm. do stuff. So when AI comes along, 
it's just a mind, like you just mind's blown with all the possibilities of how things don't have to be the way they are anymore. And so like my background and, and the experiences that I've had and then working with Nathan and both of us struggling, that's really what made us understand exactly why this was such a relevant thing for us to kind of dive into and see what we can do. So that's kind of like how we got into where we are right now. And, you know, that's what we're excited to talk to you about this, Max, because you're definitely somebody who we feel knows how to bring these topics, um, you know, to people and to audiences and make it digestible, man. I really appreciate that about you. So we're looking forward to sharing what we've got oh, going thanks, on. Man. I really appreciate that. And, and, and kind of in that spirit, um, so th there's been this kind of change recently, right, uh, that I've noticed in kind of the product type roles where there's kind of a split forming between technical product and marketing product. Right. Is that something that you guys have kind of seen in your your day to day? Absolutely. Um, we've kind of seen at, at SaaS companies, at least we've worked at, you know, the technical product manager that's more responsible for the features and the five year roadmap and the commercial product manager that's more responsible for, you know, understanding the marketplace, doing competitive research. Right as well as formulating the business strategy of you know, <laughs> who should we go after, what should our go-to-market strategy be. And what we've right. seen is that's kind of affected B2B marketing too, because the, now the product mm -hmm. manager, or at least the commercial product manager, has to be in lockstep with the product marketing manager. Uh, so absolutely, that's a, it's an interesting trend that we've seen as well in our careers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I also think that a, a big thing that I've seen is that a lot of times, um, internally, that's where a lot of the, the issues really happen. And the things you're seeing outside with, you know, things not converting, messages not hitting, that's just a yep. symptom, right? And when I'm thinking about, like, the roles and responsibilities and just the changes in the landscape that happened with the transition and, like, hey, we're doing remote things now. You know, th things are changing. People are, are, are not going to just buy stuff because, you know, you have an SEO right. tag. It's like there's community involved now. People care about what they're purchasing. They care about the, the people they're mm -hmm. buying it from, right? So, like, you can't, you can't still hold on to that same way of doing things and expect it to trickle down and people do, like, disseminate it effectively, Right. There's just way too many limitations. So that's a yeah. big change for Absolutely. sure. What was that, Nathan? Did you have anything? Yeah, yeah man, I, I think there's with it. the commercial product manager, it's kind of interesting because in the past it was release focused and I think it's moving towards right. revenue focus. Is <laughs> mm. I've seen more and more product managers collaborate with product marketing yeah. and demand generation and revenue marketing to say, okay, what are my business objectives, right? How much revenue do right. <laughs> I expect from this launch? You know, and, and um, one of the things that I think is interesting, particularly in mm -hmm. product marketing, but also product management, is the emergence of like a tiered go-to-market model. Is hey, <laughs> mm -hmm. you have tier one, and then you have the revenue impact, and you have measurable goals. And then you have tier two and tier three, which are more like product releases. So I, I think um, it's really fascinating to see a shift, you know, product managers traditionally, CEO of the product, now they're much more focused on business outcomes as opposed to just <laughs> release mm, management right. and, and project management. Absolutely. What do you think that owes to? Do you think it's partially market conditions that are driving that? You know, the need to kind of show bottom line impact of product changes, things like that? Or is it more just a natural kind of shift in the role? Yeah, that's that's a great question. I, I think it's a, a, a market shift as well. Um, SaaS, mm -hmm. especially software as a service, is becoming extremely saturated. <laughs> and mm -hmm. Tool mm -hmm. fatigue is real. People have a different SaaS yeah. solution, and we were talking about this yesterday, for almost every single thing. And you mentioned 
There's even mm. SaaS tools to remove subscriptions because their people are overwhelmed with subscriptions. So, so in a way, I, I think um, because of that saturation, people have to have clear goals and objectives with new product launches. Mm. It can't just be we'll build it and they'll come. It has to be okay. What's the what's the business impact? And you have to have clear. Uh, revenue targets with each launch. It, it doesn't cut oh. it just to release products. You have to have those clear business goals in mind. So I think it's really a market shift that we're seeing because of the landscape of SaaS in general. David, yes, you, sir. Uh, you talked a little bit about kind of the winding road uh, that your career yeah. has taken to get to this point. Um, this is a bit of a non sequitur, but what is the craziest work story that you can share in this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> Oh boy. Ah, there's a lot, man. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah, okay. Well, okay, I'll tell you. I'll I'll let's I'll keep I'll give you one. Okay. I was um <clears throat> we were supposed to do a presentation for a for a webinar. Okay. And uh <laughs> this was at my last company, the company before the last one. And um, we were set up to do the, the, the webinar. It was going to be for the sales enablement, launching a product. We had, I, I don't know how many distributors signed up to do it. And literally about, woke up at 7 in the morning, ready to go, scheduled at 8 a.m. Mm -hmm. I'm waiting and I'm waiting and I can't log in. I'm not the, I'm not the owner of the, of the, web, the webcast, oh. so I can't log in. I'm calling my two colleagues. Hey, man, what's going on? I, what you guys Dead. Nobody's answering, and the call the calls aren't going through. I was like, "What the hell's going on?" They had been laid off. Oh my god! The day of my webinar with, wow. and they were the guys that had like the administrative rights to access it. Oh my oh gosh! My god. <laughs> so I I was sitting there like, uh, and I was like, that was like during like pandemic stuff. So it was like yeah. it was really crazy. But it was like that's probably to me the most shocking thing that I that I honestly experienced. Wow! In my career, like actually having people laid laid off. Yeah. While we're gonna do a presentation to people, you know, like that's when I knew, like, oh, pandemic. This everything's different now. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, and what, that, that actually happened. Wow. And what would you do? Like, how do you follow up in an email on that? Are you like, hey guys, <laughs> <laughs> to all the leads? So sorry. Yeah, that but. was just that was super awkward. I I honestly I I don't remember how we handled it. I, I wasn't in charge of that part, but it was just like. That was the weirdest thing that's ever happened to me, like ever, Man. bar not. Yeah, that's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah. Not an enviable position to be in. Oh man, <laughs> Nathan, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. You're not spared. I'm gonna throw you the same question. <laughs> All right. So, uh, I mean, my craziest experience. I would say I was doing a demo at a trade show, and mm. there were 30 people gathered around, and I'm showing how this how this networking technology works. This was at Moxa Dave when we were there. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And at the beginning of the demo, I press the button and nothing happens. Oh, <laughs> no. So, so, oh no! So they're like there in front of me is like everyone from my team and customers mm -hmm. and partners, and I'm like, okay, let's just improvise. <laughs> <laughs> so I could totally relate, Max, to that need to improvise. So so I just walk through the demo, explain how it works, and I literally step in front of the demo and start guarding like <laughs> the screen, <laughs> just explaining how it works. No one noticed. So I guess the moral of the story is, you know, sometimes the show just goes on and you know, yeah. don't sweat the small stuff hiccups. I know, exactly, exactly. And it's, 
I think it also actually kind of goes a long way to show uh, how kind of forgiving on average people are, right? People are, are definitely willing to bear with you a little bit more. Yes. Than, than that anxiety oh, my God, yes. Yeah, no, 100%. <laughs> oh, dude, that is so true. I can't, I can't even think of the times where you just like, you're angry or you're upset and it's like, oh, yeah, that was a great presentation. And it's like they, they, they're going to buy the product. You're like, what? That was yeah. awful. But you're like, why am I such a critic? <laughs> yep. Exactly. Yeah, it's, it's, it's all about getting out of your own head. so true, brother. 100%. 100%. I love both of those. Um, so so going from there, let's see here. I, I'd love to kind of get some of your guys' thoughts on AI more generally and then kind mm-hmm. of tie back into market mates. So let's talk about, you know, six, eight months ago when ChatGPT comes out. Yep. What is your guys' early experience with it? And, and what was the point at which you realized we need to go deeper than this? Yeah, um, I could jump in here, Dave. So <laughs> Uh, yeah, six months ago, when ChatGPT came out, Dave and I, along with millions of other marketers, were trying other prompts, you know, trying to get it to write emails for us, write messages for us, refine webinar titles, <laughs> and, and trade show descriptions. Um, but the thing that really kind of was frustrating for us and many others was, like, we could spend hours prompting and refining (laughs) and it's somewhat of an art and a science where you have to know like the right ways to prompt Hmm. and um one thing that we saw was like there's tons of people on linkedin posting and dave brought this up yesterday a hundred different prompts you could use (laughs) to streamline your workflows and we're like we don't really want to go through a hundred prompts so (laughs) we don't have the time to as busy marketers Mm -hmm. so so one of the things that set us on this journey was how can we make large, general, large language models like Google mm-hmm. Bard or OpenAI's ChatGPT easy to use for, for B2B? And what I mean by that is I don't want to have to prompt. I just want to put in a few inputs right. and get something 80% there so I can refine and tweak it with my team. <laughs> but to get there, I don't want to have to spend hours prompting. So, so that's what set us on this journey. And, and we saw that. Uh, those limitations in the beginning. But Dave, do you have anything to add there, brother? No, absolutely. I think for me, one of the biggest things was I became the world's biggest hoarder when it came to carousels on LinkedIn. (laughs) Everybody sharing their prompts. I was just downloading them like crazy and my phone blew up. Um, But I just, I realized also, like Nathan said, I was also getting different results than my colleagues were. So everybody had inconsistent results. Right. And some were way better than others. So then you start saying, well, let me try yours. And then you'd get it. And then you're like, oh, it's the, I refined it a little bit more. So, again, that's mm-hmm. what happens. So when you're talking about somebody looking at something, you can endlessly refine and iterate. And then it's like, mm-hmm. when do you stop? Right. 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 That's the problem. So yeah. that's why if you don't have at least the fundamentals or some, some guardrails to mm-hmm. at least give you the basics of what you should be doing and the information you actually need right. that you should be focusing on, that's really the best starting point. And right. that's what we want to do is we want to we get people to be focused again, because if you get distracted, you're going to look at your tabs that are like that long, right? And you're going to go up like a whole 500 times before you get right. to that one part that you had after the output. And you're like, wait, I forgot. And you're going to copy and paste into documents and right. you're going to call them what? And you're going to store them where? Right? Like, come on, let's let's yeah. get it's just yeah. it's not it's not a really efficient way. People that mm-hmm. are super focused and get it done and organized, God bless you. I'm not that guy. 
<laughs> Too much effort to be worth it. No, no I needed I needed Nate and me to just sit down and get yeah. this thing because I needed help, and I mm-hmm. definitely know a lot of people that do because they're just like Dave is. Totally. Right? Well, I, I love that. I, I I can totally see how that ties into kind of how you guys have built the product, right? Because just tying back into market mate when i kind of got the demo from you guys and and was seeing the way that it interoperated with google docs right mm-hmm. one that was something that i was really struck by is how well you've managed to create this organizational process so it's not only that you're because it's something that everybody falls down on right we all have those lingering tasks of oh i need to just copy and paste this thing over to somewhere else give it a name yeah. put it in the right folder and those things slip through the cracks so quickly and easily um I'd be willing to bet they don't get done just as much as they do. So was that kind of the, the line of thinking that led you guys to integrating there? Yeah, you know, that that's a great question. Exactly, Max. You hit the nail on the head is we had um, one product marketing manager test not marketing. Mate, and he's like, you know, mm-hmm. I live, I, I'm in a SaaS company and we have 50 plus employees. And, and one of the struggles is getting everyone on the same page with messaging mm-hmm. and content. And being able to collaborate because people exist in kind of these silos as SaaS companies grow. So how does um, product marketing share messaging with demand generation or share, share content with content marketing or sales, uh, share sales tools with, with sales, uh, the sales reps? Mm-hmm. Well, with, that's the reason why we integrated with Google Drive is we wanted to improve collaboration between teams. And then we've all been in those Google Docs that have like a dozen comments from product manager and you know, your subject matter expert. Oh, like a novel long because Dave doesn't know how to be concise. <laughs> you have 12 comments and then it's like, oh, shoot, now I've got to rewrite this whole piece of content. Yep. So we were thinking, how can we make that process easier too? So mm. we added the Google Drive, but then we added this refine feature where the AI could take those 12 comments mm. and then just rewrite your copy for you. So. So that that's kind of the impetus for for Google Drive integration, but then also refining content in in kind of more of a free form way. Mm-hmm. That's brilliant, yeah. right? A process that otherwise you'd have to go back into the prompt, edit, <laughs> copy, paste. You, you flattened all that down. No, and also think about this: how many domain experts do you have in your organization? <laughs> You're limited to maybe one guy, two, three, if you're really fortunate, right? Mm-hmm. And those guys, their time is going to be demanded by every single direction, by every right. single department at all times, always. Plus mm-hmm. customer calls, plus development, plus, you know, roadmap. So right. that, that there's not enough hours in the day. So yep. to be able to give this guy just a quick, hey, here's a document. Give me your notes. You put it on there mm-hmm. at your leisure, my brother. But I need about two. Right. <laughs> and he gave those back to me. I'm not going to be wasting this time. I'm not going to be also sending them an email with mm-hmm. a bunch of stuff that I'm asking them to get back to me on Friday at 445. Right. And yeah. then the customer is waiting for me to get back to him. And now he's the bottleneck. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, and Dave, you kind of hit on another point too, which is siloed knowledge in different parts of the org is Bingo. How, how do you bring that to content marketing? How you do you bring that to revenue marketing or so what we've done is the AI can be trained on your buyer persona. So their unique needs from the market context. So you don't need that subject matter expert sitting next to you reviewing your content. You can have the right. AI do it <laughs> who understands your, your market, who understands your buyers. Yeah. Uh, so that that's kind of, I think the direction we're taking is, 
like like Dave mentioned, it's a much more curated experience. Um, mm. Almost like when you're in line at Chick Fil A or In and Out Burger in the United States, <laughs> you have three things on the menu: <laughs> fries, a burger, and a shake. Yep. We try to make it like that simple, but for marketers, you want a blog post. Mm. Here's your script. You want a, a webinar. Here's your script, and you don't have to do prompting. So that that was the. the Let me add one thing, man. Yeah, Max, yeah. and I don't know if you agree with me or not, brother, but I've said this to Nathan. We've had this conversation plenty of times. I believe mm-hmm. that at the end of the day, moving forward, really what we're all going to become is just like curators of taste mm. because everything's going to be automated and it's going to be accessible and it's going to be instantaneous. Right. But what people don't have is they don't have taste. They don't have <laughs> your taste. They don't have, you know, your style. They don't have <laughs> your thing. Right. And it's right. like. That's the thing I want. Yeah, I can get Basque mm. looking art, but mm-hmm. that doesn't mean anything because I don't know how to be cool like that guy or connect to those people. Right. Right. That's yeah. why I, I, I gave Nathan my perfect example of like, why did, why did Beats, why, why did Apple buy Beats? Because mm-hmm. they wanted Dre. Because right. they wanted Dre. They wanted <laughs> Dre and they wanted Dre. That was mm-hmm. it. They wanted the cool factor, man. They wanted, oh, his, right. they wanted him to take over and, and, make, and, and infuse his DNA into that. 100%. So, that's all we are. That's why we're team. We're team human, bro. Because we know that at the end of the day, all the experience of those people that are scared that are going to lose their job because AI mm-hmm. is going to replace them. Don't worry, friends, because they're going to be looking after you because they're going to be wanting your expertise, your knowledge, and your takes on things because you're going to be the domain expert. Mm. Yeah, no, I love that. I, I think it it makes a lot of sense in the context of kind of the creator economy too that we're seeing, right? Where totally. personality is the unique element. Right. Like it's the thing that brings in a community that latches people on to an individual and the content. It's it's almost like the uh, the medium is the message. Right. The medium of, hey, this is me. That's the message. Agreed. hundred percent. Totally. Awesome. So I'd love to kind of get your guys's thoughts on the future of AI a little bit. Right. Um, I like to indulge in a little bit of rampant speculation. Um, (laughs) So obviously, with the caveat that probably all of our answers will be wrong, Mm -hmm. uh, where do you guys see this revolution taking us? Where do you see kind of the end game playing out if, let's say, you know, on a 2030, 2035 kind of time horizon? Yeah. So I I like to think back to a um, I was watching a, a, an interview with uh, Brad, Brad Lightcap, the COO of uh, OpenAI, mm. and they asked him the exact same question. Where do you see AI in 20 years, 30 years? How is that going to impact you know, some of the more creative, untouched mm. <laughs> departments like marketing and sales that require that human touch? And one of the things that he commented on, and I, I think he hit the nail on the head, is um, 20, 30 years from now, people are going to be orchestrators of AI. Mm-hmm. It's like our role is going to change from the people actually just writing the content or the people actually just creating the ads right. to orchestrating AI and the tools and resources to, to achieve like 10x productivity. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's really the future is um, whether it's large language models or machine vision or other types of AI machine learning uh, from data sets, we're going to become more orchestrators mm-hmm. as opposed to just... Uh, individual contributors that are just writing coding right. and that kind of thing. So that that's what I think the future is. But what do you think, Dave? Yeah, man, I, I'll tell you what. I think that's very much on point with what I believe. And what I what I believe is that just like if you look at the 
the automation, like we, I come from the industrial space, Nathan has experience mm -hmm. in that as well. If you come, if you look at that space and you look at the fear people had about cobots, mm. right? And they're like, oh, wow, well, that means that we're going to lose our jobs. And you're like, well, guess what happened, man? You created a new boom of people that repair robots, that mm. install robots, that specialize in understanding how to apply the robots to new and unique, innovative ways in applications that the people that are, are doing this couldn't even imagine would be right. in need of a robot to do that. Right. Right. They just don't know because they can't think that way. Just like... If, if I'm talking to a kid, he's going to be telling me about how cool these cool new things he's going to do with a drone and all these other new new experiences that he wants to build with app and AR and VR. And I'm not even going to I'm, I'm going to barely be able to, like, be a little bit of understanding of that and be, be able to kind of think that way. But he's just going to naturally be able to think that way because he's going to grow up in that environment. Mm. And that's what's really cool that yeah. you're going to have people that are going to look at a box, some planks and some wheels and just look at a pile of stuff and someone's going to go that's a cart right that's a cart that's a that's a that, that's i can that's a wheelbarrow whoa <laughs> like right that's what i love i love people mm. that can see what's not there and then yep. make it happen because that's the beauty of the of what humans can do man like mm -hmm. we can bring thought to reality just yep. think about that no one else can do that yeah right. so no, AI is going to be able to unlock the ability for people like me and Nate, just two people, yeah. to start a company and actually grow it to something bigger. Or, right. you know, organizations are going to be four-man teams, and it's going to be a big company that used to take 30 people. Mm -hmm. That's what's going to happen. Yeah, absolutely. I, uh, you know, it's something that I go back to in the newsletter a lot is kind of looking to the past to kind of, you know, elucidate the future a bit. And interestingly enough, one of the technologies that I've found, I think at this early stage at least, is the most comparable to AI is actually the typewriter. Right, because uh, when it kind of came on the scene, um, a lot of people were like, "Hey, what do I, what do I do with this?" Right, there was this, this speculative nature to it, and then shortly that shifted into, "Oh my gosh, this is going to take everybody's jobs. All these scribes, all these people who write for a living, which we forget was a job, right? Just like a jockey or like a, you know somebody who who stables horses." Um, so what I what I kind of see, and I like that you pointed out, is that any new technology is going to bring with it new opportunity, right? So I think one thing I'd like to kind of get your guys' thoughts on and pick your brains on is, is what do some of those new opportunities look like, right? Because I, I think we're all in agreement that it's not necessarily a prompt engineer, right? I think the prompt is just the first kind of interface for it, um, but that it's going to be something deeper that provides a little bit more immediate value to people. Yeah. Absolutely. So um, as far as what job opportunities we think it will create, um, one of the things that we've seen, at least in, in our space, is uh, more and more people hiring specialists in generative AI who know how to use generative AI technology for different mm. workflows. Yeah. For example, if we think of the marketing organization, there's right. a creative department that maybe uses something like Dolly. Adobe has been producing a lot of great new technology for generative mm -hmm. AI that actually makes like still frame images, motion, have motion, uh, and video from still. Very cool. And then, yep. um, you know, there's also the data science area that I think there's a lot of disruption mm -hmm. and opportunity and a company called Data Rails, which is another SaaS company, you know, recently came up with their product that you're able to basically integrate all of your data sources into a warehouse, mm -hmm. you know, ask a conversational AI, show me this report, and then it'll pull it up for you. So I, I think there's a lot of 
opportunity ripe for disruption in data science for B2B. But then there's also opportunities in the creative aspect of, you know, how do we use generative AI to create original content? Because um, I had a conversation with an SEO manager and we said, hey, from a digital marketing perspective, how is AI impacting you? Right. And he said, one of the things is there's a a big trend around original imagery for ads. Mm. Um, But one of the challenges that we see as well, at least in the um, visual generation uh, technology is it doesn't do well with text, frankly. <laughs> he tried to say, he created an ad with this headline. It's not. It's going to butcher it a little bit. And humans don't quite look human all of the time when you try to have it and create photorealistic mm-hmm. images. Uh, so, so I think the the technology needs to catch up to the vision mm-hmm. that we have. But I think it's creating new jobs in generative AI. It's creating new jobs for uh, creative folks who know how to use these new technologies. And it's also changing the game in terms of uh, how how marketers conduct their workflows and skills that companies look for, because now they're looking for people that know how to use ChatGPT. Now they're looking at, for people that know how to use AI technology to make you know their company more productive. So I, I think it's leading to a lot of new jobs in these areas. Yeah, I think it's also going to create a new a new breed of really cool like um, like professionals that are going to be like. Like I, I keep going back to the industrial stuff, but it's like they have they call them they call the uh, the um, the uh, field mechatronics. Ooh, okay. <laughs> Look that up, brother. And it's like somebody who knows about robots, knows about networking, understands yeah. application and technology. It's like it's a combination of different different uh, expertise, mm-hmm. and it's all combined into this cool new thing that is like possible now because people jump around from different job to different job now, and they change careers a lot more frequently. Mm-hmm. And that's awesome. And I think that's probably one of the coolest things that's going to really drive the innovation, mm-hmm. I feel, mm-hmm. because the pandemic made a lot of people rethink their priorities. And also, even without them wanting to, it, it, they had to switch jobs. So you're bringing different domain expertises into a field that had never thought of things in a way that this person comes in with a refreshing new perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Yeah, and I, I think that's really something we can tap into because at the beginning of the pandemic, there was a huge surge in hiring and SaaS and technology. <laughs> like we need to get ah, going online. It just supercharged mm-hmm. digital transformation. Yep. But then at the towards the end of the pandemic and recently with the layoffs, mm-hmm. tech companies are realizing, hey, we, we may have overhired and they start to lay off a lot of workers, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, but what that leads to is uh, a lot of companies cutting back, but still having mm-hmm. ambitious growth targets. So AI is kind of like that <laughs> that that game changer that can help fill the void. Is like, hey, how do we take our existing people and enable them to to right. achieve our goals, which are just as high? We just have yeah. less people. Yeah, totally. yeah, man. Because for us, that was the other thing, and I think we we we. That was really great that you brought that up, Nick, because I'm always looking for an opportunity to talk about that. The people that are in your organization, you overhired or you mm-hmm. you you cut down on people and it's like you're in a downturn, but you gotta go back up to where you were, or you wanna you wanna expand and land. It's like right. the the workload is not gonna go down. Your staffing will, right? And the people that are there, they're gonna be at half capacity. Yeah. And then you're expecting them to bring on new people and onboard them, right? And then have have them prepared and then be able to take flight. And you're like, how many of those people get burned out and then leave a career because they didn't feel like they could hack it, Totally. right? And it's like, the burnout is real. 
Mm-hmm. The burnout is real and it doesn't bring the best out of people. 100%. So understanding that circumstance and understanding the situation and looking at things like I saw a study where they were talking about the uh, they measured like mm-hmm. positive people like they have a radius mm-hmm. right of, of impact of, of like yeah. within like that's why you'll go like, whoa, that corner of the office is always so lively and so cool mm-hmm. and people are always chatting it up and they're in a good mood and productive. Right. But then they looked at negative people. They take up a whole floor, bro. <laughs> why because that guy can be the guy in charge of the department and shit rolls downhill yep. yep right and then no one's happy no one's cool around that guy and the mm. vibe is dead right yep. vibe tech failed brother so <laughs> that's why like understanding that component of it and knowing why again dude team human over here we're ai mm. people but i'm i'm super gonna bang the drum hard on this one because yeah. i know from experience seeing the morale drop in an organization, seeing people that we're talking to, Nathan, that are our friends that are like, I was at a $5 million company and I was the only marketing person in the entire company. (laughs) (laughs) And I know a lot of one-man teams, baby. So trust me, (laughs) right? So I know that there's things that we keep talking about, like multiplying Mm -hmm. and, you know, being like a hyperscaler and all this good stuff. But it's like, I really wish that we would also take a step back and look at the lessons of like the over hiring and then just firing and then just not even thinking twice about it and then just going, I really did my best guys. And you know, I'm real, really, really bad about this, but it's like, bro, we're talking about people. Mm. These are human beings, man. I completely agree with you. And I think that's something that gets lost in a lot of these conversations, right? Is that people have this tendency to blame the technology right? Yeah. Like, oh, AI is going to eliminate all these jobs. AI is already eliminating all these jobs. There's very <laughs> little data to support that. Um, but furthermore, what doesn't get called out is the business practices, is the planning, the strategy, yeah. right? The whole thing that led to the problem in the first place. <laughs> um, exactly. And I, it's such a recurring trend, actually, in the last newsletter, I talked about it in the media industry and the fact mm. that, you know, Everything that's going on with the Hollywood writers strike and the actors strike is on the back of the fact that there's only six companies that control this entire industry, right? Six companies who have made these types of decisions to overhire, to underpay, to overwork for decades now. So, you know, you have a disruptive technology come in and and you have a bunch of executives who think that way. What did we think was going to happen, right? Yeah, because like at the end of the day, like if you think about this scenario, <clears throat> I overhired a bunch of people and I paid them really low, and mm-hmm. they, everybody was fighting to get a position because it was it was saturation in the market. Right. Now there's a downturn, so mm-hmm. now the people that I have, uh, they're lucky to have a job. Okay, right. so they're gonna work their butt off to make sure that they keep that job, yeah. and I'm gonna keep piling on more work, mm-hmm. and hopefully they can keep up. Oh, enter. AI. Wow. AI is going to make sure that they're able to keep up and tap dance as fast as they can to keep up with my demands. It's like, right. the demands need to be reassessed, man. Yep. Yep. Like, maybe you don't need AI. Like, maybe you actually have a really capable group of people, but you just need to lay off the gas pedal for a minute. Because mm-hmm. exactly. you, have, you have CEOs that are super indecisive. Right. They change their mind constantly. And they mm-hmm. have marketing departments that have managers that don't know how to manage up. Yep. And so that also impacts stuff. And it's like, that's why it's important to understand, like, there's a lot of things at play. What mm. we're looking at is like, how can we help with a problem right. that we know that there's a possible solution? Mm. But at the end of the day, man, like I really do feel like we need to start reassessing our practices. I really do. 100%. No, I completely agree with you. Uh, I think, can I ask, what do you think would be an effective 
what would create that cultural shift, right? Because it's it's something that I, I've talked about with other people as well is how do you hold, you know, that executive team accountable? How do you make it so that they're able to see kind of what their people are actually going through in that situation? And, and how do you kind of foster that empathy that's that's just requisite to caring, right? Yeah. I think part of it is, um, and, and this is something Dave and I believe strongly, like with our values that we, we have for MarketMate is like mm. creating a culture of honesty and transparency. Mm. Like, hey, let's learn from mistakes. <laughs> mistakes aren't fatal. Let's see what, what we can improve. Let's communicate yeah. expectations up and down. And also we as a manager, you know, we want to make sure our employees are happy and satisfied mm. and good like equipped so that they're performing at their best and they have a psychologically safe environment where they can express themselves and have creative ideas yeah. <laughs> and not feel like someone with a title always gets their way right. uh, that's kind of the environment that i think the leaders need to set for their for their company is hey your opinion matters your voice matters we hired you for a reason mm-hmm. <laughs> um and i i think Dave brought up a really good point about managing expectations and managing up. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think what happens a lot to marketing departments is because of all the demands from sales, Mm -hmm. because of all the demands from executives and even product, hey, let's launch a new product tomorrow or next week, right? (laughs) Get started marketing. Like people can get overwhelmed. And that's a completely like human emotion is like, oh my gosh, I'm overwhelmed by the demands from different departments. So how mm-hmm. do I as a marketer prioritize across teams? And I, I think part of it too is um, having that conversation with your stakeholders. So the, the head of product, the head of sales, the head of revenue marketing, the CEO, and then saying, hey, I've done an assessment of the org and where marketing can make the biggest impact. Here are my three strategic goals for Q1 or for for first half. I think part of it is setting expectations, clear goals, (laughs) measurable goals, time-bound goals, but communicating them across the org. And if something new comes up, which happens all the time, it's like, hey, what's the priority here, right? We set these three goals. Let's try to accomplish these first. If it's quick, I'll help. But if Mm -hmm. it takes away from these goals, we have to say no. And that's part of what Dave and I have been learning too, is that with the startup chaos land, we really prioritize and say, this is what we're focusing on. Everything else can wait mm-hmm. at the moment. So, yeah. so I think that's key. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the, the laughter is just a trauma response. No, and I, I, I fully am on board with what my brother Nate just said, and I also think, like, honestly, it's about like if you're, if you're worried about what your employees are doing, then mm-hmm. you got to reassess your hiring practices, right. right? If you're worried about you know whether people are unproductive or not, then you should look at you know what does the manager say about that, and how much do you have of a communication with them to right. let them know, hey, I'm here to support you. But that can easily become a really difficult thing to do as you scale, mm-hmm. right? It's easy for me to say that right now, right? But I, I also understand that part of the things that I did see that happened were that a lot of times the the person who launched the company, they mm-hmm. start becoming a little bit more over here and they're not as involved and they, their presence isn't as felt as much. And you have people that are making decisions and it's on behalf of them. And mm-hmm. you're like, is that really what the guy wanted me to do? And then his message gets lost, right? Right. It's like right. telephone. That's why things eventually, after a while, too distant away, you're not yep. going to get the message across. So oh. that's why if you really are that guy, if you really are going to be believing that, there's plenty mm-hmm. of examples of people that have done this. You be a part of the company culture. 
You be a part of, you know, what it is that people look at or believe when they see or hear the name that, that, you know, you're trying to bring to the market. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Do you have anything out there, Nathan? Yeah, I I think, you know, and this brings up the whole topic of leadership, which would be an interesting topic in itself. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, actually, that's a good, that's a good topic too. Yeah, there's different leadership styles, you know, like um, there's the authoritative do what I say kind of leadership style, which I think Mm -hmm. is kind of phasing out uh, in the 21st century. And then you've got the thing that I think is a better leadership style is just more of a coach. Mm. It's it's like, hey, I'm going to help you set goals and the strategy. But it's up to your creativity to figure out how to how to do it. <laughs> and right. and I, I think that's a way more scalable model than, hey, yes. let's review your content and rewrite each sentence for you. <laughs> so oh, okay. it, it kind of make I kind of make you in my image because that's mm-hmm. not that's not uh, scalable, like David yeah. said. Um, so one of the things that David and I have been uh, piloting as a managerial style and leadership mm-hmm. style at our company is we are coaches. We help you set goals, but we don't tell you how to do your job. Right. You do it. We'll give you feedback. But at the end of the day, you own your, your domain and we're open mm-hmm. to your ideas and your creativity and how you go about it. Because I, I think at the end of the day, empowerment is so much more important than getting it exactly the way you want it. Sure, we've got to be stubborn about our vision, which is, you know, helping B2B marketers be more creative, helping them be more productive. But we're not going to be stubborn on the details of how we get there. Yeah, and and Dave hit the nail on the head. That's why we hire people that know what they're doing um, Mm -hmm. and are excellent at it so that we can trust them with the goals. And they can even push push the envelope and push us to do better. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Totally. I, I like that. I mean, it's it's looking at it as a team rather than as a, a nation, right? Yeah, it's, it's not like, yeah, it's not like I decree something and then that's the law. Mm-hmm. It's more so we're all working towards this. Concept. I hate being told what to do, bro. I hate it. I hate it. I, hate it. I love I love people going, hey, come here. You see that? I need that. Can you I would do that? Oh, you know what, boss? Hold on. I think. And then you're like, we're, it's me and you versus that. Right. <laughs> it's right. not you going like, man, I want that, but I don't know. Yeah, I don't either, man. But you're telling me I got to oh, go right. do it. And you're not you're giving me any feedback here. But oh, you're also going to get mad if I don't get it done. That sucks. <laughs> like, so lose, lose. Yeah. It's like, what are we doing? <laughs> no, exactly. And, and I love to see people in marketing who have this perspective too, right? Because I, and I don't want to speak for your guys' experiences, but in my experience, at least having, you know, like worked in the New York ad setting, there is, Ooh, there are a lot of, yeah, there are a lot of folks who uh, think of themselves Don Draper. Um, <laughs> oh boy, still to this day, um, yeah. and it's something that I've experienced. Where just given the kind of divisions and and how a marketing organization tends to be structured, the culture a lot of the times falls by the the wayside, and it's really a, a hard thing to get that culture right. So mm-hmm. it's so inspiring and great to see you know marketing organizations like yourself that are pursuing that strong, positive culture. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I mean, you're definitely a like-minded you know, person. So it's like, this is, <laughs> this is easy, dude. But yeah. <laughs> it's nice to oh, kind yeah. of commiserate about this, you know? And, yeah. and this, this setting is really cool because we also get to talk about like how we can, we can start to solve them and mm-hmm. what we're actually doing about them. Because we're not just saying like, this is my gripe. You know, it's like, no. We had a gripe, dude, and this is yep. why we did what we're doing. You exactly. know, 
Exactly. Would, would you guys say that kind of your experiences then with the inefficiencies, with kind of the, the problems that you faced in your work, was that what motivated you to become founders? Because that's something I always like to, to kind of suss out is like, what is it that created that fire? Absolutely. I, I think you hit a vein there. <laughs> yeah, as it's like um, we had been at startups for uh, better yet, almost a decade together, Dave. And, and you know, saw consistently is a bit of dysfunction with with culture is like, hey, we have this grand vision and this amazing product. Mm-hmm. People adapt to help us get there. <laughs> Just, right. And but but one of the things is. Um, just from from empathizing with the marketer or empathizing with the person that's at the startup, we have dreams and goals and career aspirations too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and one of the things is, hey, you know, how do you align the the culture of the company, the vision, the goals, mm-hmm. and the people's personal goals, and and help them align that with the company's vision? And and that's something that we saw as com- a complete miss at companies we worked for. And there is a deep set frustration. It's like. Hey, how how can we reach our achieve goal, our our personal goals, and help the company win at the same time? Um, and and that partly drove us to want to start a company too. And there have been many meetings I was with Dave. I'm like, Dave, there's a better way. We're gonna do this better. Like I can't wait <laughs> until, until we until we launch MarketMate, and we're creating a culture that's people first. And mm-hmm. what does that mean? That means if if someone has a family member that's sick or or needs to make a daughter's, you know. Uh, a recital mm-hmm. that is so important you should take time off work to be there for your family to take care of them like that right. is you know so yeah. so setting healthy boundaries too between work and personal and helping people actually showing people that we care about them as individuals mm-hmm. and not just <laughs> corporate profits and that's sort right. of thing growth friends like that's yeah. so important because if if employees don't feel like you have their back. They're not going to work hard or give it their best. So that's that's kind of our philosophy. But Dave, do you have anything to add? Yeah, there? absolutely. Because I I can't I can't even count the amount of times where I literally burned myself out. I miss family functions. Mm-hmm. I was at places and I wasn't. I really wasn't there because I was too busy thinking about the things I had to do and how I had to get back and yeah. how people were probably really upset that I wasn't there, but mm-hmm. I, how can I make them understand that this is like, you know, really important, like right. all that stuff, dude, like all of that, all of mm-hmm. that, all of that, you know, and, and just knowing that I didn't feel comfortable or safe to really say those kind of things. And also just internally, man, just because of like who, who, like my background, I'm first generation. Mm-hmm. So like, I'm like, go, 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 go. Like, I never felt like I was good enough anyway. So, like, that just had, like, a another th- another layer on top of that, you know? And, mm-hmm. like, my socioeconomic background, you know, like, my mm-hmm. story is, like, I, I have a pretty interesting story. But all of that stuff, like, it just made me go, like, my empathy level is, like, up here, dude. Yeah. But at the end of the day, if I'm burning myself out and I'm doing it because people are not really appreciating what I'm capable of doing. Right. And if they only knew if I had just a little bit more of that, you know, acknowledgement, they would get 10 times what I'm putting out right now. Yeah. And if they think this is awesome, they would not even believe what the hell I'm capable of. Right. Yeah. No? <laughs> Absolutely. Cause I would give them that and more because I'm, I, that's exactly what I'm, I'm always about. Mm-hmm. No, 100%. I, I actually, um, we, you know, we have a little bit of time if, if you guys are, are looking good. Yeah, on dude. Perfect. Yeah. 
uh, I would love to kind of get a little bit more background on both of you guys, like individually, just kind of what your journeys look like. You, you mentioned that, David. Um, I would love to kind of hear more if, if you feel comfortable sharing. Yeah, no, sure. Absolutely. I'll tell you. <clears throat> so I've never told anybody this. Nate knows my story. But I, I actually I grew up in um, I grew up in shelters. I'm first generation. Um, dad was alcoholic, had a lot of uh, you know trauma in my family. Um, so it was I didn't have the best start. But even with all those limitations at the places where I landed, man, like the, the, the place that, I, that my mom lived at when we were a kid, the executive director, Carol Williams, still in my life today, she became like a second mom to me. And she took after me and she helped instill in me, you know, a different set of values that were probably most people are not going to have the opportunity to learn mm-hmm. and, and, and really like just take in because of the experience that they have to go through. You know, you'll read about it in books or people will tell you about it or, you know, you eventually like just maturity hits you. But like, I, I genuinely, I was very fortunate, even though I had a lot of, uh, you know, I, I didn't have the best circumstances growing up. I was one of 11 kids, mm. you know, like I said, uh, so like I, I, nobody went to college. <laughs> I didn't have any of that, dude. So mm. despite all of that, you know, I was still given opportunities to do things. And so that's why like, to a guy like me, to have a partner like Nathan and people that believe in me and to have an opportunity to use AI, to open up the opportunity, my brother, to have my own company mm-hmm. and to actually solve problems for professionals that were part of a network and an industry that I got to participate in and contribute to. Like, what? That's <laughs> awesome. Right like, everybody's always talking about how they want to see diversity to this and diversity to that. It's like, Man, AI is going to allow that. Like, in, But it's important for everybody to understand. You need to contribute to this AI mm-hmm. stuff. I yep. don't care who you are, your background. There was mm-hmm. a, a study that was just released. I posted about it. The Barbie, right? They mm-hmm. put it in AI. And what did it do? Arab Barbies with machine guns and all this stuff. And it's like <laughs> yeah. there are a lot of just inherent biases because it's like it's drawing off of known sources, okay. so stuff from the past. Mm-hmm. We need to make stuff now for the future. So in the future, the past is now. Totally. Right. So that's why, like, everybody's got to get on it now. If you really want to see the change in 10 years, you better get your ass off right off wherever you are right now and start mm-hmm. doing stuff. Absolutely. That's beautiful. I, appreciate that's you message, that. <laughs> I really appreciate you sharing that. No, you're exactly right. Um, I, I think tech broadly, right, and AI especially are two methods that I recommend to everybody, like who's also from where I'm from, right, where it's yeah. like if you're looking for an opportunity, uh, this is one that's not necessarily gated by institutions, right? Which I think is such a big barrier. Yes! Oh, I love that, dude. <laughs> exactly, right? It's like, oh, that college degree yeah. from that top five, mm-hmm. forget it. Like, yeah. it, would it help? Sure. But it, is it necessary? No. Um, and I, I think all of those kind of factors make it really, really interesting as kind of a fulcrum for being able to kind of lift people out of poverty if they're able to, you know, harness the tools. Dude, well said. Well said. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Nathan, I'd I'd love to hear a little bit more of your story as well, if you'd be willing to share. Yeah, of course. So, um, yeah, I grew up, uh, you know, um, mom was an immigrant from the Philippines. Dad was a Jewish immigrant. They came over during the war uh, to kind of escape that area. Um, So growing up, you know, I I always had a sense of, hey, I want to, 
I want to work hard because my parents worked hard to get me here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I don't want to waste my opportunity in this beautiful country to, to do the most yep. and make the most of it. And inherently, I just had this passion for technology. Like growing up, you know, I was reading about IBM Watson. I was like, mm-hmm. wow, computer can beat people at chess. It can, you know, help diagnose cancer. Like this is amazing. I want to learn more about this. So I started to learn to code and mm-hmm. I, I taught myself Python. And one of the things that I tried to do at the time was, hey, I wanted to create a chat bot that, can, that I can talk to. And I was 19 at the time. And I tried to use conditional logic and it just failed miserably. I'm like, I can't think of every instance, <laughs> every question, every possibility. And then I learned about machine learning and I, I sat mm-hmm. in on a machine learning class and I'm like, this is the future. Like this, if a computer can learn, imagine how amazing AI can evolve in the future. So I, uh, I worked in, uh, you know, marketing and I, I tried a couple companies that, that both failed. One of them was like a marketing agency. Um, and I remember when I had my first startup, uh, it was exciting because it was kind of blending my passion for marketing and storytelling and technology together. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that, I feel like that's my niche is I like the creative yeah. and I like the technical. And um, I, I, like halfway through my startup, uh, my dad got sick with cancer. Uh, so I had to move home and take care of him. And unfortunately, the startup kind of stopped at that point. And then I was like, okay, what's a, what's a job that's, you know, I can kind of be storyteller, kind of be technical and it was product marketing. And I was like, okay, and I can keep helping my family kind of take care of my family. So that's what I did. I continued to work in product marketing for, and then I met Dave uh, (laughs) in that process. And then um, with this most recent AI boom, I'm like, Hey, you know, ChatGPT is like the bot that I, I wanted to create 10 years ago, but couldn't. You know, it's just, it, it does the things that I wanted to do when the right. is there, it's available. So uh, Dave and I set out in this venture. I called Dave and I still remember the phone call. I'm like, Dave, I was like, brother, we're, we're creating messaging for campaigns. We're creating ads. What if AI, kind of like Marvel, because we're superhero fans, like if you mm-hmm. had like Jarvis, Jarvis, dude. Yeah. <laughs> right on. Marketers, like, dude, we've got to build this thing. Let's do it. And then, and then we. <laughs> said, yeah. Yeah. yeah I love cloud. And we just started building it. We learned how to do cloud computing. We learned how to do SaaS, and we built, we built the application. And now we're we're marketing it and launching it. So this is a dream come true. Awesome. I think for Dave and I, like. We're a very unconventional story with like <laughs> yeah, we are. two marketers coming together and launching a SaaS company, like it's very unusual, but yeah. in a way it's our story and, and we're, we're excited to be here, man. And so appreciate Max that you invited us on and, and uh, yeah, bro, seriously, because we're, we're a fan and, and we watch your, well, your, your podcast. <laughs> oh, thank you guys. And uh, can I say, I mean, you guys are not only like a great founding pair, uh, I'd say from all regards, but also I, I brought you on because I'm genuinely impressed with your product. You know, I, I think that um, I've, I've looked at a lot of marketing-oriented uh, AI products, and I've chosen to cover none of them because they have failed to impress me. But MarketMate did impress me and does impress me. And I, I think that the you guys live so close to the problems that marketers face because you are the marketer that you've created the solution that truly like addresses them in a meaningful way. So you know, uh, round of applause to you guys. Seriously. I, I'm incredibly impressed. You got to ruin my eyeliner, Max. You got to stop. <laughs> <right>? <laughs> Not good, dude. Not a good one. 
Well, thank you guys for for sharing. Thank you for for spending some time with me and and for allowing me to get to know you a little bit better. This has been so fun. Um, before we we wrap up, um, would you mind sharing one piece of advice that you would give to your younger self if you could? Yeah, I I think the number one thing is don't be afraid to try. <laughs> like I think I, there's been a. a, a a conversation in my head frequently, like, you can't do this, you know, you don't have this, this isn't a perfect idea yet, let's see what people think, but don't be afraid to experiment, failure is just learning, um, that, that would be my advice to my younger self. Perfect. Mine would be embrace the cringe. Just <laughs> roll around in it, bro, it doesn't matter, it all makes sense a lot later, and all that weird stuff that you're into that made you feel super embarrassed, it's going to pay off. I promise. It's going to pay off. You're going to be way more interesting. You're going to have a way more like interesting pool of topics to go to talk to people. And you're going to be connecting with people that are way, way higher up in status later on in life because they were just like you. They're complete yep. weirdos. But now they're super cool and people think they're never were in a weird, awkward <laughs> Yep. That's awesome, Dave. Both great advice. Well, well guys, thank you again. This has been so much fun. Uh, where can people find you, follow you? Yeah, so we have a LinkedIn page. Feel free to look at us up on MarketMate AI. And if you guys want to visit our website and just want to see a demo of MarketMate, go to marketmateai.com forward slash demo. And uh, Dave and I would be happy to meet you, especially if you're a B2B marketer struggling with the things that we brought up, lack of content resources, wanting to scale, uh, wanting to automate processes or make your team more productive. We're here and we'd love to have a conversation. Yeah, I'm on LinkedIn all the time, bro. You know that. So you can reach me there. I'm I'm, I'm on there. So you guys can easily find me. And I'm, oh, yeah. I always answer. So. Perfect. And I'll have your uh, your socials linked down in the show notes. Thanks, well, man. Oh, of course. Well, thank you so much, guys, again. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks thank for watching, you. guys. <laughs> nice, nice meeting you, Max. <laughs> Likewise. Later, brother. <laughs>